When was the last time you had to give a urine sample? The last time I was pregnant, which is what, four years ago, minus a few months. So what percentage of those times did you pee all over your hands? Probably 95. (laughs) (laughs) So what I was thinking about this week was because I'm constantly peeing in cups at doctor's appointments is pelvic floor tension or asymmetry related to the direction and spray of your pee. Right? Yeah. I'm a right side peer <laughs> when I'm tight. It pulls to the right. It pulls to the right. So I've been experimenting as like bizarre as that sounds at the doctor. If I like really have to go and I like can go in and sit and take a breath and relax and like get labia fully out of the way. <laughs> that is the trick actually. That I can totally pee straight. But if I'm like rushed or I'm like trying to push it out or I'm just feeling kind of tight in my body, it can range from diagonal to like full on sprinkler like. And that's definitely an indication of the condition of that pelvic. So I'm having a lot of flashbacks right now. Of all the times I've peed in the woods, because I grew up in the middle of the woods. So I mastered the skill at a very young age. Now that I'm thinking about it, the times that it almost so you know when you pour really slowly out of a cup and it like follows the cup and makes a huge Mm -hmm. mess, you have to pour it real quick, like quickly, yeah, yeah. So when you're pouring your pee very slowly, if that's the analogy, and it like rides forward on your labia and just sprays everywhere, yeah, I think that was when my pelvis was tilted forward. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I'm thinking about like the best peas I ever had outside where I like didn't get any on my shoes or on my (laughs) legs or on my underwear. You had to consider the hill. If you were on a hill, you had to consider the hill. But I'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was in college leaving a party or leaving the bar, you know. Under the influence where you were, like, totally relaxed Relaxed. (laughs) and, like, this is the best day ever. And, like, you just squat down between a couple cars or grab onto a tree. Hold on to something. And you weren't tense. You weren't rushing. You were just living your best college life. And then, like, you wouldn't have gotten pee anywhere and it would be, like, a miracle. The things you think of when you deal with pelvic floors and that's your profession, right? Right, right. Really deep. (laughs) I've always wondered why sometimes the pee will go one way versus the other. Mm -hmm. Now it makes sense because if your uterus is twisted, well, now I'm thinking about more periods and stuff because I had one instance Mm -hmm. where I went to cranial sacral therapy and I did not tell her I was on my period. I didn't mention a thing. I didn't tell her I was cramping, nothing. And she told me I had an angry uterus and I was like, damn girl Mm. you are right on point (laughs) and that it was twisted like my fallopian tube was twisted and i went home and i peed straight it was crazy yeah because i think our systems are asymmetric and so if we if our body's kind of oriented one way it's going to influence the tension in the muscles and and then influence how maybe our uterus feels how our organs feel how our pee comes out how our tampon goes in yeah how our cup goes in yes yes which leads us into today's conversation shark week (laughs) The rag, Aunt Flo, the Red Sea. <laughs> I'm trying to think what some other ones. I'm not good at, at this one. The communists in the fun place. <laughs> what was that? The co- Oh, yeah. We were granny stuck in traffic. I don't understand I that don't one. I don't get that one. We were like looking up different countries and like what they use for joking terms for periods. And communists in the fun house is pretty... <laughs> It's pretty funny. <laughs> Along with Shark Week. I think those are Shark my two Week, favorite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But apparently sharks will not attack you if you're on your period swimming. Good to know. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes 
who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. Kind of leading from that, when we were kind of doing a little reading about periods and how do we talk about periods in a fun way, I was just looking up what is normal, like what amount of bleeding is normal. And the couple of things that I came across was like anywhere from one to six tablespoons per cycle, which at first we were like, that's that's there's no way that's right. That seems way too little. But now that both of us have used cups versus just tampons or pads, you kind of get a sense of the volume a little bit. It literally has a measuring cup in the cup. Yeah. And I think 15 milliliters. Yeah. And then one and a half ounces. That's so cool to me to like, then you can have this statistic or this way to track because I feel like growing up using tampons, you never really knew, well, how much was in there. It's just, it's full full or it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a super is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Periods are so important because they are our fifth vital sign. So, how you feel during your period, how long your cycle is, how heavy your flow is, all those things are giving you clues as to what your hormones are doing. Hormones are affected by everything from your sleep to your diet to your, oh my gosh, everything. Mm-hmm. And they control everything. Well, and I think there's a Sex in the City episode where Charlotte's talking about her fertility struggles and she's like, your whole life you're worried about making sure that you don't get pregnant. And that's like the main concern with your period. And then And then when you're trying to get pregnant, then you start thinking about your period a little bit more. But I feel like periods are just cool. And it's this really cool way of understanding how our body's working and how lots of systems are working together. I think you have to be over 30 to have an opinion. Yeah, Yeah, maybe we're just dorks. (laughs) PT. I don't know. I think if we took it from being like that negative connotation of being gross or disgusting or meaning you're dirty and being like, look how healthy you are, look how vital you are. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm going to be that granola hippie mom that's like talking about the moon and the ocean and, you know, how that connects us to each other and the earth. But it's sacred. Society has taught us to hide it. Mm-hmm. I mean, hide it, don't talk about it, whatever. Which brings me to my next question. And this is legit, a legit question. Okay. When should kids, specifically boys, know about periods? Because I mm-hmm. feel like we're on a tipping point. My oldest is seven mm-hmm. and then six and four. The two older boys, they know nothing. They've right. asked me what a tampon is and I like chickened out and I'm like, oh, it's for moms. <laughs> and yeah, I think... <laughs> But I have friends who have told their kids that young about periods, and I'm like, oh, good on you. I should probably mm-hmm. – I just know that's going to lead into the sex talk, and I'm just not I don't think ready. it has to necessarily lead into the sex talk. You don't think so? No, because it's when they reach the age where girls in their classes start having their periods. That doesn't mean that they're sexually active or ready to be sexually active. No, it would have been based on my response because I totally would have been like, oh, yeah, moms get their periods when they're not pregnant. And then they probably would have been like, well, why wouldn't you be pregnant? I think, I think explaining it at a level that they can understand. But what would you tell them, though? Like, what would you tell a seven, eight, nine year old? Well, nine's getting a little old, but like a seven or eight year old, if they asked what a period, what would you say? I would say once a month, women bleed as a part of their normal functioning as women. But why, mom? Why do you bleed? Because we have a uterus, and that uterus is where... Um, yeah, because then you start talking about, like, <laughs> babies are, like, babies, babies grow in a uterus, and in order to prepare for a baby... That uterus needs to grow and then shed and grow and shed. doesn't mean that a baby goes in that uterus every time, but that's just like the normal cycle of how women's bodies work. 
And I think for a little boy or like boys as they get older, it's maybe more about being just sympathetic to the changes that happen and understanding the changes that happen to girls as they get into puberty. And so not being like weird about it or gross about it. That's or, true. That's huge. Or embarrassed about it for their female friends as they get older and so that it's just a non-issue it's just like oh yeah it's no big deal not something to like make fun of or talk about or you know yeah so that's my big thing right now is just um (laughs) that talk is coming it's coming coming yeah i think it's being honest and the side of that conversation i feel like i'm less comfortable with is the male side of that conversation puberty for boys yeah what happens they grow hair and their voice lowers right and then they start to get erections and yeah what dreams that's why the their dad will take care of that <laughs> so like we're military spouses oh yeah dads are never home dad's not home <laughs> and they have like they wake up and they have a boner for the first time yeah Honestly, I'm banging on the fact that they've heard tidbits about pelvic health and sex and periods and peeing and pooping and farting from our talks that maybe things will just come together someday. I feel like like for boys, again, I'm not a boy. I've never had a son. So I could be totally wrong. You have a son. Well, no, like not an an adult, like a son that's gone through puberty. (laughs) I feel like largely... Male puberty is a whole lot less dramatic than a girl's first period. What about getting erections during a class speech? That would be uh, pretty. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want well, that how, to happen yeah, like, to me. So, yeah, how do you? Well, I'll have to have You have to, like, put it up in the buckle. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, to hide it. You, like, put it upward in, like, your pants it in, so your it pants? doesn't stick out. Okay. I mean, I'm not an expert. I don't but... know. I'm not a penis owner. I'll, I will just have to get the scoop from the guys in our life. They'll have to tell us oh, so that we're breath. prepared. Just yeah. In case. So periods. Yeah. Totally that first period experience and those first few periods, I feel like I'm less well prepared. And I don't feel like very many young girls are fully prepared for True. that first experience, mm-hmm. despite maybe how, unless, I mean, my goal being that they're really well prepared for that experience. But I think even still. Like the early menstruators definitely yeah. get the short end of the stick. Yeah, that's so hard. I remember I had a, a girl who was a friend. Who had it in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. But it was good for me in the fact that I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And I saw her take care of it. Like had to go to the bathroom. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. all the time or whatever. But I think my first period was in fifth grade. And then it like kind of went away for like a year. And then came back again. But Mm -hmm. it was... It was like at the end of the school year, we were having some kind of party mm-hmm. and it just something felt was felt off. I was like, what is going on yeah. <laughs> down there? And I went to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, shit, I have nothing. You like wrap your underwear in toilet paper yeah. and like pray to God that you can get home as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But I also had friends at that point that it had their they at least knew about it or had their periods. Mm-hmm. So. They were very supportive and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know. Uh, I don't remember if any of my, I don't think any of my like closest friends had. I'm trying to remember if it was fifth or sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade as I was, I also used to figure skate as a kid. I did not know that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Synchronized skating. Wow. With a team. Fancy. And we were like out in the middle of nowhere, tobogganing and tubing and like snowmobiling with one of the girls on our team. Her parents had like a bunch of property out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, very Canadian thing to be doing. (laughs) And thank the Lord, I was in like full on snow gear. Oh, lots of padding. It was like, what's going on? That kind of feels weird. So we went inside the house. I like went to the bathroom was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> and then I just left my snow pants on. So it was like, <laughs> did perfect. That, <laughs> did anyone ask you why you had snow pants on? I think, you know, I was a little, just a little weird anyway. <laughs> and I don't think we were inside that long. So I kind of played it off and just was like, I'm just going to keep these. I'm just cold. I'm just a little, I'm just a little chilly. 
<laughs> just gonna keep these these little guys on here. That's um, awesome. So really, the evolution being from like those big, sticky, disgusting oh, pads. Those were the worst. Like getting stuck to your legs, and oh yeah, horrible. Or pubic hair. Mm-hmm. That's the worst. Oh. <laughs> and you're trying to like shuffle in your seat to try to get them to come <laughs> oh, Gross. And then to tampons, and and then really only in the literally since I had my son transitioning to cups, even though they were created in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah, no, they're like almost 100 years old. Wow, and yeah, I've only what a year ago, I think within the last year, yeah, and like they've really kind of blown up my like all time favorite website that I send everyone to try to decide what kind of cup or disc or whatever they need to use uh, is put a cup in it.com and they have a YouTube and they have a quiz and because there's so many brands of cups out there now that I think as an as tricky as it can be to maybe find the right one even if you have to experiment with a couple different kinds it's still going to be way cheaper and so much cheaper way healthier for your body than continuing to use products with chemicals, you know, that kind of thing. So here's a crazy thing. I think I started using the cup in January, actually, this past year. Uh, It took me a good three months Mm -hmm. to get the skills required, and I still will not change that thing in public. There's no damn way. So a lot of companies will actually send you two. You get two and you buy it. So you're going to come out of your stall with a bloody hand? No, you have like a little baggie, like you have like a wet bag, like you would have for your little kid. So like oh, you dump it out. Work. It's still it's still but dirty. It's still so awkward. Like I just uh, I don't know. Less Maybe someday. Than, like, like you're shoving your. I'm like elbow deep trying to get this thing out. <laughs> oh, like more of the getting. Yeah. <laughs> like what if blood gets all over you know yeah the toilet seat and maybe the floor <laughs> i don't know what are you doing with this flinging it around <laughs> the stall next to me is like what the hell's going yeah. on in there yeah no i i i get that yeah it could in be public. done i'm just not that skill level yeah so I'm- i have a like a disc the disc and the cup are both silicone and the silicone disc has this really cool little like silicone cover and so when I've used that in public like and it's slippery so like anything that's on it does kind of sort of wick away pretty easily like if I when you dump it Mm -hmm. so it's not soaked in blood right yeah and then it fits really tightly into this little silicone pouch I feel like I could throw that in my purse and wait to get home to clean it off but you you need like a second, either a second disc or a cup to like be able to switch it out. So what's the difference between the cup and a disc? So a cup is like your diva cup. It's like the traditional thing. It uses suction and it has a little stem at the bottom and it sits in the vaginal canal. So when you kind of fold it up, put it into taco fold. Yeah, the taco or the seven or the Ooh, what's the seven? Um, where you, you like Make it look like a seven. <laughs> Is that kind of like a taco though? But it's like you you like fold it again. So it's like, you know, like a seven, like a fancy seven. That's two. Oh, two. like basically. Like a little extra fold. In yeah. It. Then there's the tulip fold, I think. the punt, Or the punch down. That's probably my favorite because you get a smaller hmm. opening. A lot of people are intimidated by cups because they look really big. And that was like my concern. Like a tampon's not that scary. <laughs> but how am I going to get that cup in there? Yeah, but that cup is like fairly wide opening. So you actually fold but it's it down. Not that, I mean, penises are right, at but, least that big. But like, a dr- I don't Maybe. know. It's just like a dry, I don't know. <laughs> right. But it's different because like, it's not tapered or like. <laughs> <laughs> it is not going to produce any pleasure. Yeah, and it's just like this peg, essentially, not like, I don't know. It's a different, it's a different thing. <laughs> it will not get you whap. <laughs> no. Well, you kind of are like whapping. I guess. But it's just blood. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> Edit that out. Yeah. So anyway, when you get like a good fold, then the actual opening the actual diameter of what's going into your vagina really is not yeah not that big not big 
It's like it's a hot dog like, in a hallway. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> if you're not understanding any of these references, you need to go back to yes, <laughs> episode one. Yes. Yeah. So there's different ways you can kind of fold it up. And then when it's inside the vaginal canal, you can kind of turn it a little bit and then it'll open up. And so Mm. then it creates a seal all around the vaginal canal. So any blood that's coming from your uterus through your cervix will get collected. Are we still in the cup? Yeah, the cup. Okay. Yeah, we'll get collected in the cup. So the cup uses suction in the vaginal canal. Mm -hmm. A disc doesn't use suction. It's even bigger. So did you ever like in school when they were going over like all the different types of birth control and it would be like a diaphragm? (laughs) Like who the hell uses that? I remember seeing that thing and it being like looking like this hard plastic. I don't know if they are hard plastic. I don't think I've ever seen a. I don't. I haven't ever seen one either. Diaphragm for real. But. And how does it work? I've it's always like been cap. confused. It's like a cervical cap. But does it really work? No, because the effectiveness on those we know that sperm can last, what, five days mm-hmm. in there? Yeah, it can sneak its way around, I'm sure. Fast Sneaky swimmers little. will just jet around <laughs> that thing right up to that egg. Yeah, it's definitely not your most effective. What was that Seinfeld on Seinfeld she talked about? Liking her sponge. It was like a sponge or something. That's, that's- oh, that's another thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know Any, anything about them. Yeah. Old, older school birth control methods. I feel like that'd kind of be act like a pessary at the same time. The, the sponge? The, the sponge. Probably in the diaphragm. Yeah. Right? So a pessary so, supports prolapse. Yeah. So they're like. It's like a tool that you can use. Things you put up there to support your organs. Yeah. But. So I feel like if you do have some prolapse, so whether that's your rectum kind of falling into vaginal canal or bladder falling into vaginal canal or cervix sitting lower. I actually prefer the disc, which is why I've kind of transitioned a little bit more to the disc. One, because it doesn't use suction. The other benefit is that the claim is that you could have intercourse with the disc in because it doesn't actually sit in the vaginal canal. So we have a vaginal canal and then we have a open area before the cervix. So it sits behind your pubic bone. This is really hard to like visually Yeah, I'm trying to like. So what you do with the disc is you kind of fold it in half so it's skinny. Okay. And then you slide it in. So like the skinny part would go all the way up. And then the back end hooks up behind your pubic bone. So it's actually not sitting in the canal. It's sitting up by the cervix. Interesting. But I don't know if I'm fully buying that. <laughs> I don't know. Like the sex part. Because they say like, oh, you can have mess-free yeah. sex yeah. with it in. So there's silicone versions, and there's also disposable versions of the disc. So Flex makes one, and Soft Cup is another brand. And that's a firmer plastic, like the disposable ones. And I would say that may stay in place a little bit better for, for sex. Maybe it would depend, too, on the position. You know, yeah. doggy style might not be yeah. possible. Yeah, with, I don't know. I haven't tried oh, disrupting it. Disrupting versus... Missionary. I haven't tried it. I should try the cup. I mean, I know. The disc, you mean? I'm sorry, the disc. No, I. Because I do use a cup. So, one of the big things that I feel like people complain about there was like a couple months ago, there was this big outpouring of angst against cups because there was like one article that came out and said that it could make your prolapse worse if you had pelvic organ prolapse so your bladder or your rectum or your cervix um, using that over time could make that make that worse mm-hmm. and lots of pelvic floor pts came out and said hold on hold on hold on not necessarily but because it uses suction if you're not using it right you can, i mean you can feel that tug I can speak from personal experience. I have a rectocele and it's very slight, but it acts up with my period because I don't, things get lax, prostaglandins, inflammation, I don't know. Um, But if I don't break that seal or that suction, it will pull on it and it hurts. Yeah. And so if you, So. so I would say like, one time you don't fully break the seal on it mm-hmm. and but one on. yeah one time's it's, probably not going to do anything deal. but if like over and over and over and over again over years and years yeah mm-hmm. i think that, that that there could be a bit of an issue 
I would say even with the disc, if you're like bearing down hard to try to get it with your finger and Mm -hmm. like draw it out, you could definitely create some downward pressure. And that's where I think really learning one, how your pelvic floor works Mm -hmm. and the difference between your pelvic floor being tight or tense and being relaxed make a really big impact on how well you use that, how, how effective the cup is at one staying in, but also being able to get it out without pulling down on things. Right. And the size of the cup. So if your yeah. cervix is higher up, you're probably going to need a longer one to get there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if it's yeah more down, then you could use probably a shallower cup. <laughs> the first, I think it was the first month I used a cup. I swore I was going to have to go to the emergency room and get that thing taken out of me because I could not yeah. find the damn thing. So. And I was freaking out. I was in the shower. I had to, like, just strip down because I'm like, where is this cup? It just yeah. vanished. Yeah. And I'm like... I literally could not get my fingers anymore in there and it was because it was so tilted sideways that ah. I couldn't I couldn't get it to release the suction and if you just pull the little knob it will pull on your insides yeah. which does not feel good so um I thought the thing was lost forever but yeah. luckily I so, live to tell the tale yeah so the first time I ever tried the cup I think I had like gotten it that day on Amazon and like boiled it and was all excited so it was like then nighttime. So I was like, well, I'll just put it in tonight. And if I'm sleeping and it doesn't work right, it's no big deal. I'm just at home. Overnight, when you're like laying down, pressure's off of your pelvic floor, cervix does, will like move up. And yeah, so same thing. Like I wake <laughs> up in the morning, like, holy crap, where is this thing? And I think also learning how to size. So on put a cup in it they have like a survey and it's like well how high is your cervix can you touch it with your fingers but i think a lot of women haven't really explored (laughs) right where is that cervix actually can i feel it and that does come kind of back to some of that that understanding your period and evaluating where is that cervix at different times of the the month is that cervix sort of tilted one way or the other or forward or backwards or whatever Yeah. And so it was like, holy, I did not realize how far back that cervix went, especially after, you know, just relaxing at night or like being asleep all all night. I've had a lot of people ask me, too, if you can exercise with them. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem exercising with them, (laughs) except for the one time that I thought it was fun to be doing, I don't know why, handstands Mm -hmm. at the park. I literally was practicing handstands and I felt like a popping like, like the suction suction. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and we were like a half hour away from home and I'm like oh this is not good <laughs> I'm gonna have this all over uh. and I told Ash I'm like we gotta go we gotta go right now and I'm like sitting on like all of the uh, yeah because <laughs> it's not like just stuff like, I can find in the truck to uh, like yeah it was not good so don't mm. do handstands or any like inverted things yeah so learning about your cervix is going to be important for understanding your body and understanding using cups or discs or whatever that product is. And knowing that your cervix moves. So, like, if you test your cervix not around your period or ovulation, it might be higher. Mm -hmm. And so then if you order a cup thinking that it's higher and then you actually Mm -hmm. get your period and it's lower... You know, you want to kind of mm-hmm. make sure sh- your your cervix is moving up and down yeah. during your cycle. And I think that's where a trimmable stem yeah. is helpful. You can, like, trim it. One of people's complaints is, like, throughout the day, if cervix and, you know, gravity is just taking things down, then you're not going to have this, like, pokey thing poking out of your vagina. Because it is uncomfortable if yeah. it's too low. Yeah. And the, so the cup I have has like a pretty flexible tab. Even if by the end of the day it's starting to come down, I'm not going to cut it because I know if I wear that overnight. <laughs> You'll never find it again. I need it. <laughs> like I want that tab. So like how dynamic our pelvic organs are. I think that's like a cool revelation of even just getting in touch with your body and in touch with that throughout your cycle. Yeah, there's so much to talk about with a cup and a disc because they're kind of 
not new because obviously they were made in the 30s, but mm-hmm. they're becoming more, way more popular. popular for sure. And when I started using my cup regularly, I also switched though to organic tampons at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I noticed my cramping was significantly less. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if it was all the crap that was in the tampons I was using that was causing, like, irritation or Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I've Um, heard that. Or just the pressure of the cup pressing against sort of the vaginal walls um, and a little bit of that pressure potentially on pelvic muscle, pelvic floor muscles calming down. Because I think a lot of... So another thing that we were kind of chatting about beforehand was that like it's like 80 percent of menstruating people have pain Mm -hmm. with their period. And like that's a lot. And it's abdominal pain. It's back pain. It's pelvic pain. Probably heaviness and pelvic floor pain from inflammation. And so is that, yeah, like how much of that is muscular, like outside of the uterus, that we can actually influence with movement and breathing and exercise to actually help those symptoms feel better mm-hmm. and not just being something that we need to miss school or miss work or not interrupt our regular life for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because 80% of women or 80% of menstruating people like have issues with that, that it's we just assume that that's yeah. the way it should be and that there's nothing that can be done. I just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But periods that are like super heavy, super painful, cause you to be dizzy. Something's that not just right. just like impact your life really negatively. That's a sign. Mm-hmm. Like That's a sign that needs addressing and not necessarily just with birth control to kind of control it. Not to say that that's maybe not going to be something that's helpful or and that's a you know dis- that's medical a whole decision. nother <laughs> but yeah. but like hey something's wonky here let's not delay treatment let's not just throw advil tylenol motrin mydol mydol right mm-hmm. did you have that girl is that like i haven't i took ibuprofen yeah when but i like, needed it my wasn't my i remember like ads for mydol like specifically being for periods yeah they are i think and like the research on NSAIDs or like is not great. No, you don't want to be. But actually, those like too often. research on like exercise and movement mm-hmm. and other types of therapies for pain with periods is actually not bad. Yeah, movement, <laughs> so- exercise, like especially low impact endorphins. Those are pain relieving. Mm-hmm. Just movement, because I feel like that tense. Like if you're cramping. That pain causes a tense pelvic floor. Like, I find, yeah. like, my pelvic floor gets tight if I have my back yeah. cramps because so, I'm just guarding yeah. all the time. Yeah. One of my one of my really good friends growing up had really painful periods. And when she had a baby, she was like, oh, like, having contractions for labor was like, oh, I, I got this. Oh, those are pretty bad because periods. She, <laughs> because she had had just, like, and I was like, if your period cramps are as bad as... Contra- labor contractions. Oh, like, please. That's, Yikes. you know, that's worth addressing. And that's, yeah. and, but I think it becomes this cycle of like, okay, my, my uterus is contracting. That's painful. I'm tightening my back muscles. I'm tightening my pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. No, everything's tense. Mm-hmm. Just like in labor, we teach people like, okay, you need to relax your pelvic floor. So you're not fighting against yourself mm-hmm. and be able to like release and let your uterus do the work. And so I think it's it can be a very similar thing, but I think a lot of people just don't know that there's support for that. Yeah. And um, increased prostaglandins can cause excessive cramping and hormone levels. So I believe it's estrogen dominance will like make periods way heavier and that cramping will be um, worse. So that's where my mind goes right away is thinking what your hormone levels are and the prostaglandins. But there are a lot of people that get migraines with the start mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. – so 70% of people who get migraines associated with their cycle, the migraines happen at the beginning of their cycle. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple theories to that, but one is just like the influx of – or the 
the drastic change in your hormones Mm -hmm. causes more of that hormonal migraine. So if you're getting migraines with your cycle... Do you you think that that could also be like a muscular tension thing? It could. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why people get migraines. Within pelvic floor PT, we know that there's a a lot of times a link between like jaw pain and neck tension, mm-hmm. partially maybe because of all that tension in a body. So do you think that if at the beginning of that cycle, when, when pelvic floor and uterus is all kind of contracted, that as a reflex, we would over tighten neck and shoulders and jaw and that could trigger you? Yeah, you would think because why are like, great, there's this correlation between hormones and migraines, but what is it about that Hormone yeah, like level. What do you do about those? That is causing the migraines. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So like, okay. So yes. Now these these are hor- labeling it a hormonal migraine. Does that just then become that? Oh, these are just hormonal. And there's something I can do about it. Here's some birth control. Or yeah, that or like because a lot of people probably aren't getting offered nutritional advice or no. You know, and that nutrition kind of- can play a huge role in your hormones. Like mm-hmm. specific foods will feed estrogen or feed you know mm-hmm. help the hormone levels balance out. You know, sugars are not yeah. great for us with inflammation yeah. and all that stuff. So, so like yeah, I think diet's huge. You know when I. I ask everybody about headaches, you know, for even, you know, all my public floor patients, I ask about headaches and, you know, just general pain. And I would say like a good percentage of people are like, oh, yeah, I get headaches, but it's they're hormonal. Yeah. And it's like accepted. Like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. I'm just debilitated by migraines once a month. No big deal. Or like (sighs) take really aggressive medications. Like, okay, I'm not saying that we're going to solve this problem, but... Mm -hmm. But dig deeper. Let's yeah. Let's kind of look at this a little bit and be willing to like try to understand that. So for those of you that are curious about your hormone levels um, and want to dig in more, I'm about to do this. You should join me. But after you're pregnant and lactating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when your hormones are all, more normal, all bets are off for me right now. there's a thing called the Dutch test, and there's a couple mm-hmm. different tests. Like one is just a couple days where you can test your hormones and another one is a whole cycle Mm, test so you're peeing on this strip of paper i don't know it's like several times a day at certain intervals and you do it for an entire cycle so it tracks all your hormones your cortisol Mm, your mm -hmm. testosterone estrogen all of it and it sees the relationship between all of them and then when you're getting your symptoms it can be like okay well this day is when you're getting symptoms Mm, like mm -hmm. this is what's happening whereas when you go into the doctor and just get blood work you're just getting a blip in time yeah totally and so it doesn't give you a lot of information and i I think that's where you know women's health or more complex medical issues like having a really good functional medicine provider on that that team the stuff they know blows my mind constantly Mm -hmm. it's like way way over my head but definitely something that i think i would love to like learn more about for sure yeah it's super interesting Mm -hmm. and so anyway when i do that we'll have to have a podcast on the findings there what do you think about cups that fall out what do you think they fall out like people (laughs) like why do you think that that's potentially happening for somebody that tells me there might be a lot of pressure going on pressure, like too <laughs> much downward pressure popping them right out yeah or like it's or not, laxity maybe, or, like or it's like, weakness okay yeah is that a thing yeah i've had people ask me like, i've heard of tampons coming out but they're yeah. a lot smaller than cups yeah i've I heard of like. like the cup not really staying in or yeah or like becoming crooked yeah um and then once it's crooked then it will lose seal and then and then come out yeah with movement so you, especially so I think that's maybe a good indication that you probably would benefit from a pelvic floor PT evaluation. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, everyone needs one. But, but you know, if that could, you know, if that's happening and it's limiting your ability to use a cup, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily just these are weak or these are tight. No. But imbalances in, like yeah, side to side. Like if that cup player. is really getting pulled and torqued one way, then we know that there's probably some muscular imbalance left to right that's happening. Mm-hmm. So if your cup has fallen out, does that mean that you can't use a cup? You no, sure? you got to find a, the right fit mm-hmm. and, and the right like muscle address the pelvic floor. Yeah. yeah. But I can see where people would be like, oh, that fell out. I'm not risking that again. <laughs> We're right. going to put in something else. Yeah. Because yeah. that would be me. 
Yeah. I would totally like freak out and be like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah. But you yeah, know, giving it a couple months and like giving it, it takes a, good a while to get used to it and get get comfortable with it for sure. It does. But oh, my other tip. So on the packaging, it does say to bear down mm, to get it yeah. out. Mm-hmm. So my counter to that, in ter- and so in terms of like decreasing the amount of pressure on your pelvic floor, is to use your breathing to breathe down into your pelvis. If you follow myself or my friend Lauren Mott on Instagram, I think you've talked about this too, Eddie. He's like, breathe into your, your butt. butt. I got that from Lauren. Yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. So it, as you breathe in, is make sure that that air is making its way all the way down. And what that's going to actually do is lengthen your pelvic floor muscles. So if that if those pelvic floor muscles are tense and like holding that cup up too high for you to grab... Instead of creating pressure and bearing down, actually breathing in and feeling that the pelvic floor release to let that cup come to you or the disc or whatever that thing is, and then being able to get to the end of it versus bearing down and creating that pressure. So that's always Mm -hmm. my like big tip for when you're trying to use them, even though it says you should bear down to grab it, don't bear down, just breathe and let that let it come down. Because if you have prolapse, that bearing down is probably not going to serve in your favor time and time again if you're doing that repetitively. So making sure to be smart with your pelvic floor. Yeah. We want to save the bushes. (laughs) You know the song, Under Pressure? (laughs) Yeah. I think of that all the time when I think of prolapse. So we're obviously showing some severe bias towards cups and Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Discs. Yes, disc. It's too late. I can't think anymore. But here's a fun fact for all you cheapos out there, like me. Every cup saves you two thousand disposable menstrual products. So, well, that's a lot of money saving. And then I'd say there's a fair number of cup companies that will actually donate a cup to um a men a person who menstruates who can't maybe afford one. So that's a whole other conversation about period equality and and why period products should not be taxed and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could buy one, give one, that sort of B Corp mentality. Um, there's a lot of really cool like women-owned menstrual cup companies, black women-owned menstrual cup companies that I think are really doing a lot of cool stuff. And so... You're doing good for your body. You're doing good for the environment. You're doing good for women all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hard to be biased when. Yeah. The well, and my crunchy self mm-hmm. is thinking, oh, less waste. And yeah. Less, and like, I'm so crunchy. When you but. start looking at like organic tampons, like real cotton and no chemicals, That's, they're so expensive. It they is, are. It is ridiculous. The other one I get so angry about is like the bladder incontinence pads. Mm-hmm. Looking for some that are more natural and not your if someone has really sensitive skin. Mm-hmm. The ones that are like really good cost so much. It's criminal. That's insane. Well, and it's like, like the poor person who has to use that. it yeah. and needs it because it's just breaking down their skin so bad to not not use it. It's not that this is a necessarily for someone like that. It's not necessarily going to be a short term thing as much as we want to see improvements with PT. But like a lot of times patients anyway, that's that's bladder stuff. We won't get into that. But like, yeah, like if it's cost prohibitive, that's no bueno. Right. So um, because we don't want to completely <laughs> neglect tampons or oh, anything yeah. else, yeah, yeah. I have a fun, a couple of fun facts about tampons. If you are a tampon user, you are going to use ten to twelve thousand in a lifetime, which kind of blew my mind. I was like, "Dang!" Mm-hmm. But chemicals that you do want to consider when thinking about tampons versus other menstrual menstrual products, tampons tend to have rayon in them, chlorine dioxin, which is an endocrine disruptor. So that's going to mess with your hormones. Um, BPA with the applicators. So Mm -hmm. that's also Mm -hmm. um, 
Causes increased never, estrogen. Ever, 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 ever. I hated applicator-free tampons. Okay, so I ha- we have, well, we share a German midwife friend, but I also have another German midwife friend, and she's like, you can't find, like in Europe, you can't find... Applicators? Applicators. Weird. Like yeah. they have, you, they that don't have exist. applicators. But it was I mean, more do, to me, it was like the cotton, it wasn't necessarily like getting it up in place it was more like it was then just like rough because it's just like cotton i did try once i didn't realize they didn't have applicators and i bought them and that was the thing i'm like how am i supposed to get this up there or like, like high enough yeah the applicator is smooth and it's yeah. easy to insert but, but now i have this BPA. dry cotton that i have to yeah. shove up there yeah, yeah. i don't know there's got to be a trick we need to ask our european friends um, fragrance is a no bueno. Yeah, no. We already know that with our lubes. We don't want fragrances down there. Mm-hmm. And organic cotton is actually a pretty big consideration because cotton has a lot of pesticides mm. used on it. Yes. So you have to think about how those are oh, getting okay. in the cotton and absorbing in your skin. And if you're trying to live less toxins and mm. more earthy, crunchy, you might want to consider organic cotton tampons, which I did find some at Target the other week, mm-hmm. and they weren't crazy priced. Oh, that's good. So maybe maybe companies are coming around. Mm-hmm. I think it's but, definitely becoming more sought after. Yeah. Like, that wasn't even a thing. It was like Tampax or bust. Yeah, and I know on Amazon you can get like a pack. I think there's only like 16 in a pack, though. And it was probably ten bucks or something. Is that mm-hmm. expensive? I don't even know what Tampax is. I haven't bought those in a long time. I know. But um anyway, so the last fun fact about periods is you're gonna have a before hundred in a lifetime. So that's a lot. And you should um consider, you know, what products you're using. Maybe try something new if things aren't working out for you. Yeah, lots of options out there. Periods are not gross. They're natural. <laughs> yeah. Period power. <laughs> period power. A lot of this came from the period power book. So there's a, a reference, but period power. It's uh I won't be definitely. probably putting period blood on my face anytime soon. Is that a thing? I, yeah. It's like, what? it's totally a thing. Really? And like period art. Have you seen that? No, I know about sex art. Have you know about that? No. Are you in the White Walls Facebook group? No. It's a military thing. It's a big military interior decorating group. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing in there. You get a big bl- blank canvas and paint and you have sex on your canvas mm-hmm. and and you make a picture. And then how do you explain <laughs> that to your guests? Abstract art. Ooh, that does not sound paint and your stuff and your business and your yeah inside yeah if you're talking about sweating. trying not to get toxins in there i don't think yeah. paint would be real great but period yeah. art huh yeah, so, so using your period blood to like paint a picture who does this artists <laughs> what? people uh does what that your- stink over time once it's like kind of dried out maybe how they, long like, does seal this it? last because i feel like human Fluid like that on your wall might have a Not on your, limited like, lifetime. Like on like a canvas, and then yeah, but that's oh, like, gotta like change colors, get rotten or something over time. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on period art, <laughs> but it's a thing. I wouldn't be totally opposed to that. I feel like period art. Yeah. Okay, if I see any abstract red, red painted like canvases like in your nice little vulva print with like a vulva. Anyway. Well, I mean that would be appropriate, like a flower print, because I swear flowers are very vulvar. Vulvar, vulvaner, vulvar, vulvar appearing. <laughs> it's getting so late. Yeah. So it's Thursday night. We launched the first episode on Monday. Was it Monday or Sunday? I think it went up on Podbean on Sunday, but, like, it wasn't legit till Monday. Okay. And we have had a ton of awesome messages. Yeah. And, yes, in fact. Oh, the picture. Okay, we've been getting a lot of questions. I'm going to just head on address this. My bush is bigger than Addie's bush in the picture. Look at my hair on my head. Okay? <laughs> Drapes to match the carpet or <laughs> whatever. 
not that hard of a leap to guess that it's probably a little more unruly when I when it gets there because of my curly blonde Canadian hair, my genetic makeup, and I'm I'm completely okay with. But that. we really didn't intend for her bush no, to be just, bigger in the no. picture. We just bought two bushes, and mine just happened to be wild. <laughs> But it works. <laughs> yeah, so we're super excited that all of you are enjoying the podcast and having some good laughs while learning some pelvic health stuff. This is super fun. So mm-hmm. thanks for being on the journey with us. Make sure you share and comment. We would love to hear your comments on the podcast. Subscribe. Rate it on Apple Oh, yeah. Podcast. Give us some stars. Yeah. Five stars. No less. No less. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, it's been fun. We're only a week into this and it's been fun. All right. We will talk to you bushies later. Bye. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page. Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. <laughs> and our music is provided by Blackhead. I wanted to fact check our last episode regarding sex, libido, and WAP. And I was talking about hormones and the technical term for the sex hormone that I was referencing is the sex hormone binding globulin. And in the episode, I had said that it depletes or reduces your estrogen. However, it is testosterone that it affects. So this hormone's job or globulin's job is to mop up excessive hormones in our blood So it binds to them so they can be excreted. But when you have too much of this in your blood and birth control pill users have four times the amount of this globulin in their blood, it can deplete your testosterone levels. All right. My quick correction from our first episode was that I was unsure exactly what our typical vaginal pH is. And that is 3.8 to 4.5. So when you're looking for lubricants that are meant for the vagina, we want to stay within that range. One of the lubes that I like a lot, Uber Lube, is 4.6. So it's just on the border. I just wanted to add that little tidbit.